0: this album i think nwa started it but i think this album solidified the west coast kind of like music and sound that it could be something that can cross over you know not only in hip-hop but like pop culture and things like that like i think this was the album that that did it for that whole area of hip-hop
1: Welcome back to Knowledge Brews Supreme, the show that percolates your creativity. And it is I, your host, Dr. John Chansey, and I am back and better than ever. But before we begin today's episode, here is a quick ad from show sponsor, Sleeves Sold Separately. Greetings, this is Dr. John Chansey, host of Knowledge Brews Supreme. And I'm here to tell you about one of my favorite products in the fitness game, our new show sponsor, Sleeves Sold Separately. Sleeves Sold Separately is a brand of athleisure clothing for men who train hard and also want to look good while doing so. The clothes that these wonderful folks make are an absolute game changer. Their products are designed and manufactured in the United States, out in Los Angeles, and they are shipped directly to your home. Sleeve Sold Separately offers a wide variety of athleisure clothing, such as the wife lover tank top, their classic sleeveless hoodie, their Man shorts that come in both four and six inch seams, and so much more. My personal favorite from Sleeves Sold Separately is their take on the classic jogger bottoms, except theirs is called the sprinter. Sprinters come in several colors, and even before they were a show sponsor of Knowledge Brew Supreme, I bought multiple pairs in black. I've got a gray pair, a teal pair of the Sprinters, and I wear these daily. Uh, so please check them out. Visit their website at com my listeners of Knowledge Brew Supreme can get 15% off your order from sleeve Sold Separately using the promo code KNOWLEDGE15. That's all one word, KNOWLEDGE15. So please check out Sleeves Sold Separately. Use the promo code and thank me later. Take care. Bye. My guests for today's show are the one and only Jeremy Dove and Jose Ruiz, co hosts of one of my all time favorite sports podcasts, Bigger Than the Game Podcast. Jeremy and Jose break down sports of all sorts from a historical perspective. They've got a really great episode out. Their most recent episode dissects the 1993 Michigan, North Carolina, Final four game, the infamous game where Chris Weber calls the timeout that does not exist. Just an absolute classic. If you want to hear an absolute amazing breakdown of this episode, please check out uh Bigger Than the Game. I'll put some show notes, I'll put some links in the show notes, excuse me, for for you to find that uh one. I brought on Jose and Jeremy today to talk about an album. That will be, well, I guess technically it has already turned 30 years old at this point, but that album is The Chronic by Dr. Dre uh, that we've got. It it released 30 years ago. Uh, We're releasing this episode on 420, such an appropriate day for this wonderful album. Um, The Chronic is the debut solo album for Dr. Dre. Obviously did a lot of work prior to that, NWA, things like that. It was recorded under Death Row Records and distributed by Interscope. The chronic reached as high as number three on the Billboard 200 charts and also went triple platinum with over 3 million sales. Uh, In 2019, the chronic was selected by the Library of Congress for preservation in the National Recording Registry. So with all of that said, welcome back to the show, Jeremy. Welcome for the first time, Jose. Jose thank you both for joining me today. This is actually the fifth time that uh Darium, Darium and I have been on the mic together uh, so you're almost that you're almost in the five timers Club uh, for <laughs> knowledge Bruce Supreme. I'll have to I'll have to figure out some way to commemorate that and okay. it's always a pleasure to chat. Uh, Good I feel deal, honored yeah. to have Jose here as well. Uh, we did, all three of us did an episode on their show over the 2011 NFL Draft. I believe it was last year. It had a great time. So it's just a thrill to get you both on this show. So with all that said, uh, how are you both doing today? How are you, Jeremy?
2: I'm doing great, John. It's always fun chatting with you, man. Uh, five-timers club coming up soon. I'm, I'm honored, man. It's a so big this, deal. That's yeah, a huge right? deal. That's I'm proud. I feel pretty good. So it's always great chatting with you, buddy. Of
1: course. And how are you, Jose?
2: Great, great. John, thank you for having us on the show here again. Um, no,
0: this is a great topic. I've been excited since you, you know, mentioned this to us. I, I just couldn't wait to get to, you know, get to today and get this started for sure. So thank you for having us on.
1: Of course, same here, same here. I was kind of going back through the archives and looking at what records and what albums and things that are kind of coming around, coming of age. And when I saw the Chronic was turning thirty, I just I knew I had to. Had this specific episode and two perfect guests for this topic. So absolutely thrilled to be here today. So to get started, I want to talk about the chronic. You know, it's 30 years old. Uh, what I want to know from each of you to you, what what really stands out about this particular album? Like, what is the most memorable aspect of the chronic, especially thinking about it 30 years later? Let's start with you, Jose. Yeah,
0: no, thank you. Um for me is like the longevity of it. And I'm I'm actually surprised it only went three you know, three times platinum to be to be honest with you. I, I thought it would have done better, way better numbers than that. Um because I, I feel like when I ninety two I was really obviously I was really young and I wasn't buying albums and things like that yet, but I do remember like everywhere I went, people were listening to this album, you know, and that was my first time kind of like hearing music that was not from like a New York city or, you know, from like Philadelphia where I grew up at like, you know, like music from that, that area or specifically. And, you know, I, I can remember my older brother listening to like NWA and things like that. Right. And I, I remember hearing that, but this was like my first time really like listening to an album and like, wow, like this is totally, totally different. And I loved it, you know, immediately. So for me, it's like the longevity cause you can still play a song today. You can still, sing a lyric and people know exactly what you're talking about from what song it is what album and it's obviously the chronic and it's such an amazing album um yeah 30 years man i'm getting old but it's <laughs> it's, it's still i was playing this album i was i was texting there i mean, i sent him a picture i was playing this album in the house and i was just like man this is so good so uh, to me it's the longevity of it and how great it still sounds
1: it has it aged quite well. It is yes. it is that is the one thing I think it has going for it is it was great when it came out and it's great still to this day. So that's a that's a fantastic point, Jose. What what about you, Jeremy? What do you think? What what's the, the big takeaway from this album for you? Uh for me it's
2: listening, you know, we've gone on 30 years since it debuted, and honestly, it's the fact that this person is an icon, but yet in a way I feel it's underrated. And to me, it's listening to Snoop on this, the O-double-G. And to me, people don't talk about this. To me, really should be called Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg Presents The Chronic. Because how much Snoop is on it, how much Snoop and the DOC wrote Dr. Dre's like lyrics for a lot of these songs. And honestly, when I listen to this album and I think back on it, you know, Dre and Snoop really are the Lennon and McCartney of hip hop. And I don't think people give that enough credit for like that combo. Like they bring that fire and ice kind of combo that chill, you know, from Snoop, that intensity and rawness from Dre. And when we talk about, cause you look at, you know, fall of 92, the chronic drops, the next November doggy style drops, which is another classic album. People don't give Snoop credit for not just hip hop, but all, you know, popular music who's yeah. had a better debut than that with two albums that really changed the landscape of everything. So I look back, and to me what sticks out is, honestly, Snoop is, you know, he's, he's a fun-loving dude, he's a caricature, he's talented, but doesn't get the respect as one of the great artists of all time and doesn't get the respect for one of the great starts to a career of all
1: time and that career is still going from snoop i mean maybe he doesn't he may not put out the same kind of music or quality of music that he once did in the 90s but that guy is still everywhere he was on WrestleMania a couple weekends ago he was great i mean everybody loves snoop dogg and if you think about just kind of the origins of where he came from getting featured heavily on this album now he's one of america's most favorite just icons uh, it's, it's quite the debut and just the, even the longevity of this album, but the longevity of Snoop Dogg as well is just, it's incredible. I mean, uh, that's, we'll be talking about Snoop. We'll be talking about this album for, for years to come. So I kind of want to circle back a little bit to something that Jose said when he was describing, you know, the impact of this album, you talked about how you hadn't heard, music like this especially music that was away from the east coast i mean this was very heavy you know west coast putting you know death row records putting west coast music and rap on on the map how do you think i'll start with you jose but how do you think the chronic changed rap music for kind of long big picture how what were the some of the changes that occurred because of this album
0: yeah i just think it kicked down the kicked open the doors for a lot of artists right that that were from like, like you said, like the West Coast of California or whatever the case. Because um, if you think about it, again, we mentioned NWA. They, I really think they blew the doors off for yeah. everyone, right? And um you had artists like, like Ice-T who was doing this thing at that point in time. You know, you got movies like Colors like coming out and he was on the soundtrack and that was a huge hit. And then with NWA breaking up, now you have another artist who's going to blow up at this point who had an album. This year that came out was just a great album. which is Ice Cube, you know. So now you have all these different artists from this area now producing a lot of great music, not just good music, great music, you know. And then you have other smaller artists like E Forty, Too Short coming out. Too Short had an album come out this year too in ninety two. So I I just think this this album. I think N W A started it, but I think this album solidified the West Coast kind of like music and sound that it can be something that can cross over. You know, not only in hip hop, but like pop culture and things like that. Like, I think this was the album that that did it for that whole area of hip hop.
1: I completely agree. I, I think this this sort of album transcends, comes from the West Coast. But it, this album has a way of kind of transcending even time, place, culture, all of those things. Right. Uh, what about you, Jeremy?
2: No, I, and I definitely do agree with what Jose said, because um, if you look at it, when it comes to we look at West Coast, but really gangster rap. NWA, Ice-T, they started it, but there's too much friction. There's a lot of heat from, you know, national media, the police, everything that kind of, and then there's just too much that they really couldn't carry that mantle. You know what I'm saying? So you get what happens here with the chronic and with Dre. And for me, there's a few points, but the first one is this was the first thing of gangster rap really crossing over and it didn't sell out you know i came on here before on your show and talked about nirvana yeah and about never mind crossing over and i don't believe i'm not going to say that they sold out but they have said that they sold out and that you could tell that they went a little poppy this to me pop came to hip-hop and it came to gangster rap and those two things merged and we haven't you know gone back since and the chronic really did that it kind of There's those before, but this was the foundation that like, boom, it's here and it's here to stay. And no one could get, you know, my second point, which is, I feel like with Dre being not just the greatest producer in hip hop, but arguably the greatest producer in music of all time, the production standard that the chronic has hit producers are still trying to catch up to today. So that to me is another thing. We hadn't heard production style production sounds in any kind of genre, like we did with Dr. Dre, being the producer, but being the, the the engineer doing it all, being the real maestro of it all. So I think those are the two legacies that we've heard from Kanye to Pharrell, Timbaland, all still trying to keep up with Dr. Dre, still trying to get to him. So to me, that's kind of how, Just two of the, there's many points, but two of them on how this has just changed hip hop forever.
1: Sure, sure. I mean, talk about setting the bar just incredibly high. I mean, for a debut album, for just any album in general, I mean, the production value, the lyrics. I mean, just the introduction of this kind of G-funk sound that's just so iconic even to this day. I mean, uh, it, it's it's really hard to imagine somebody somebody doing that again. I mean, it's almost like a one in a million album for everything to come together so perfectly as it did. And here we are, thirty years later, still talking about it.
0: And uh, I, I would even add, John, like, sorry to, yeah, come, to cut no, you, you off. Good. Like, it, it not only did that for music, but also like, you start to see all these movies now that come out right in this era of like, you know, you got Boys in the Hood in '91, I think it was um, Menace to Society in '93, got Higher Learning. That's a little different type of a movie.
2: Friday came out.
0: Friday yeah. comes out. You know, you have the Rodney King incident that's in 92 so there's so yeah. much attention that's going on to this you know to los angeles and parts of los angeles and the west coast that it's crossing over not only against hit like the music but now it's like you've seen it in movies and now everybody wants to do something when it comes to like you talk there and we talk about gangster rap and like the gang culture in that area it's it just blew up everywhere and like you said it was like a perfect storm and that's exactly yeah. this you put an album like this out with all of that going on yeah it, it was a perfect storm
1: Sure, sure. The time and play, the cult, the time and events in 1992 going into 1993 obviously had a profound impact on how this album was consumed. And I think what kind of kept the album uh, so relevant all of these years, just the, the settings were incredibly important. So my next question, this one's kind of tough, because if we look at The Chronic, I mean, there are, you know, 16 tracks on this album. I mean, it's perfect from start to finish, but I'm going to ask each of you, I'll start with Deremy. If you had to pick your favorite song, if you had to pick one song on this album you're going to listen to, what's your what's your go-to song from The Chronic?
2: My and there are a few, like, heavy hitters that stick out, but for me, it's got to be Little Ghetto Boy.
0: Ooh, That's my number one.
2: Uh, Ooh. someone who's a big fan of Donny Hathaway, big fan of Gil Scott Heron. And that's what Dre sampling. Yes. And you hear that, you know, that like flute, that's the classic Gil Scott Heron, you know, Donny Hathaway, just singing that, you know, in the background and just the way that beat drops and just the way what they're talking about in the song. And they're talking, you know, people don't give this album credit. Right. And Jose mentioned it for, you know, what was Rodney King, And how this is a social album, a political album that people don't really think about or say is, but it is. And what they're talking about there and just the way Dre has in the background, and that's the production, you just hear it kind of like that, like that, I don't know what the instrument or what he's using, that like tornado sounding. And it just kind of feels like you're just spinning out of control. Yeah. Talking about the hardships, you know, growing up in the inner city, like it's just perfect. So to me, like there's a few other options, but. Little Ghetto Boys always like number one. And that's like that one that I'm kind of surprised even to this day that like, it doesn't get enough attention from people when you talk about
1: the chronic. Sure. Sure. That's an excellent choice. Probably a real, one of the more underrated tracks, but I mean, just an absolute banger. Uh, what about you, Jose? What what song are you going with?
0: Yeah, it's, it's a tough, it's, it's not as tough, but it, it's still, there's so many great songs on this album. Like if you hear, once I heard like the, the beat for Dre Day, I was like, "Mother," it blew my mind, and I was I was hooked right there. But my favorite song, and this song is because of the video, it was great too, because they have some. He has some great videos for this album as well, mm-hmm. and but the video for "Let Me Ride" it's my uh-huh. "Let Me Ride" my favorite song, and uh, it just reminds me of like I don't know why, but it just reminds me of like summertime, like yeah. you know, warm weather things like that. Because in a video, you know, they have them all outside and things like that. They're driving around, but just the the flow of that let me ride and how it kind of starts off, you know, with, Oh man, it's just such a great song. And it's, I, I still, I play, it's on my, you know, like my running playlist, like it's on there. Cause again, like I just, it's just like a calming, like, first of all, it's a calming beat and it's just yeah. the way it just flows throughout. It's just, that's my That's my number one song on this mm. album.
1: You can't go wrong with let me ride either. That's, that's a great one. Different kind of a different vibe from some of the rest of the tracks, right, on the right. album, but yeah, very chill, relaxing. At the same time, can get you kind of hyped as well. So, what's yours, uh, I, John?
0: Yeah, I was I, going to ask. Yeah,
1: I would have to go with Rat a Tat Tat. I think I'm saying that right. Uh a
0: song. Yeah, yeah,
1: and you got mm-hmm. a lot of Snoop on that one. I think that's the, I'm, if I'm remembering correct. You also get a KRS One sample as well. Uh, right. So I can't go wrong with that. I love me some KRS. So kind of seeing those two worlds collide, plus heavy on the Snoop just the it's a it's a different song kind of from the rest of that album it's kind of grimy it's just a it's a really interesting song that always stands out to me whenever I run this one kind of you know start to finish I find myself repeating uh that one quite often but can't really go wrong with any song in this particular album I think they're all winners but if I had to pick one uh I'd probably go with rat-a-tat-tat so um but man this whole album I mean I ask me tomorrow I might give you a completely different That's answer. Right. it's just that good Um, another thing I think that stands out about The Chronic, and I think this is pretty common with a lot of things that are coming out of Death Row, out of Interscope, um, you not only get these songs that are so iconic, but you have, within the album, you also have skits, you have these moments that are almost, some of them are comedy, some are not, but, um, you get a little bit of kind of change up from just the music itself, so if you had to pick one favorite moment, one favorite skit from this album, uh, The Chronic, uh, what would you go with? Let's start with, uh, Jose.
0: Yeah, that's an easy one for me, and because um, it transitions, it, it transitions into a song. But at the beginning, it you know, beginning of the song, it's like you know, I think it's Dr. Dre calling the girl, and he's, you know, asking, her, "Oh, did these guys come around?" And she's like, "Who?" And he's like, "These nuts!" Like you know, and I just, I I think me and my friends still do that to this day. Yes, we're very immature, and we still do that. So, I I think. Yeah, that was you know for me. That's always it. Just makes me laugh all the time. So that that's that's my go-to right there.
1: That joke may live outlive the album itself. I mean, that'll never be funny. Uh,
0: That's going to be on my bitch (laughs) work (laughs) probably.
1: There you go. What about you, Jeremy?
2: Uh, well, for me, I got to give it to the twenty dollars sack pyramid. Uh,
1: Um, That's my choice. That's someone who.
2: OK, OK, good. We're on the same wavelength. Just someone who grew up watching all the, you know, my guy, and mom will be watching me. He watched all like the game shows and everything. And for <laughs> her, like just we would kind of always do that. It's like we would put our own spin on it of what we would be doing on these games. And for me, just the kind of way it's set up and having the DOC, which I love because I with his story and what happened with him. Yeah. And how he would have been a, I, the DOC probably could have been Snoop. Yeah. If he didn't have that accident. Like, he was you know, on his way for sure. For yeah. sure. So, so hearing him with that raspy voice, but you know, that bond that him and Dre have and, and him being a part of it, but being a part of such a funny skit to me and like them kind of like, I don't feel like they're disrespecting game show culture, but because like, we, a lot of in black households you grew up watching those games sure. you know yeah. so it's like but it's just kind of that funny spin on it that I always love so that's that's a funny sketch for me
1: that I, I give oh I couldn't I couldn't agree more on that one I mean as someone who grew up watching a lot of prices right watching yeah. a lot of jeopardy watching all these shows mostly with like my grandmother so yeah that then I listen to the chronic and I hear this very, you know, just hilarious rendition of what a game show, you know could be. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever been able to watch a game show the same since then. I I want this to be a thing. uh maybe put it on Netflix or something nowadays, but uh the twenty dollars <laughs> pyramid I just I I have to watch this at some point in my life because it's just so good. uh audit from the auditor, you know, hearing it, I can only imagine what it would be like to see. So uh, I like that. I like that pick as well and I think that would be my favorite favorite sketch from this album. But that's tough because there's a lot of just good moments, um, you know, spread out besides the music. So you really can't go wrong there. Um, my next question is, I think this this sort of got this brought up earlier at least a couple of times. I mean, if we look back at the year 92 going into 93, I mean, you have a lot of just fantastic rap albums. You've got Gangstars Daily Operation, Red Man's What. Uh, you have Eric B. and Rakim's Don't Sweat the Technique, Arrested Development, put out Three Years, Five Months, Two Days. You got Boogie Down Productions, Sex and Violence. I mean, uh, and that's, I mean, not even mentioning The Chronic yet. So I'm going to ask each of you, we'll start with Deremy. Uh, is this, is The Chronic the best rap album of the year it was released? So 1993. Or, and, and are there any others that are worth mentioning that I didn't uh, mention a moment ago that you yeah, might have attention?
2: If I had to give a vote, like now I'm biased, I would put probably the chronic at number one. My number like two that I think is a class. I mean, there's a like you said, a lot of classic albums, but sure. my number two for a classic album is Arrested of Development. Three years, five months, two days in the life. I think that's yeah. um so innovative. And up there, I- I'm not gonna say it's not better than like the low end theory, which came out the year before ninety one but it kind of keeps that going as far as that like progressive rap and everything. And it's funny because those two kind of like the chronic and Arrested Development's album kind of like pair off with each other a little bit where yeah. Dre's album comes out at the end of 92 and that kind of like squishes the momentum of like progressive rap, rap. and then gangster rap just kind of buries it. And that kind of adds to uh, Arrested Development. They're really a one album wonder, but it's a great album and just the classic from Tennessee, everyday people. I mean, Tennessee is one of the greatest songs ever, just yeah. ever, ever, ever. So I think for me, Arrested Development's album that year doesn't get enough credit as just being
1: like well, a gold standard of hip hop, honestly. Sure, sure. Underrated, I think. Uh, yeah. Classic one that I think doesn't get enough attention. Uh, what about you, Jose?
0: Yeah, and you know, if you look back, and if you're listening to the show, just just Google it. Like, there were some great albums, like really good albums, that came out this mm-hmm. year. So, my first album that I ever purchased with my own money was a cassette. So yes, it was, we we're are we that old. And Ooh, um love it. It was it was Dead Serious by Dodd's Effects. That was my first oh. album I ever I ever ever purchased because I had a friend of mine who was a big fan, and they had an album come out this year too of like the Fuchsnikins and. You know, mm-hmm. that's where, if you're not familiar, like that's where Shaq started. He's his little, you know, hip hop career and he was a big fan of them. So at that point, like that's really fast, like, you know, rapping that way. Like that was like really big for us at that time. Dodge Effect was definitely known for that. And I'm not comparing that album to like Chronic or anything like that. But personally, that was one of my favorites yeah. as well. And, you know, there was a couple other ones like Grand Puba came out with an album that year, which was pretty good, a real, the real. Um, so there was a couple of good albums, but for me, like, you know, like EPMD had an album that year, um, Showbiz, and, Showbiz and AG, I loved their stuff. Um, I, I thought their album was pretty good, but The Chronic, hands down, like it's it's it's, it's, it's a class by itself, you know, and I think that, again, I, I think not only for this year, I just think it's one of the best albums of all time. And, yeah. you know, I just, you know, again, a lot of great albums came out that year, but it, to me, Uh, I think the Chronic is head and shoulders number
1: one. Yeah, and I think that's why it's even more impressive how good the Chronic is because the competition for that year and the kind of the surrounding years is just so incredibly high. I mean, we're we're talking about being right smack dab in like the golden era of hip hop music. I mean, just some of the best albums, the most iconic albums, are coming out either '92, '93, '94, and the Chronic somehow manages to stand out. You know, amongst so many great albums, I think is really. Uh, indicative of how good this one really is um we're talking about it 30 years later i think many of the albums just mentioned could easily get an episode of their own as well but there's something about the chronic that just stands out um i'd probably go chronic one probably sex and violence two, and then um don't sweat the technique three if i'm kind of putting together a quick top three but i mean that's three is probably not enough there's just too many albums of this time uh, this time period um and again, ask me my rankings tomorrow. They might look completely different. If I'm listening to any one of these albums, it might just kind of move up or down depending on how I'm feeling that day. But I'd still probably roll with The Chronic. Um, okay, so I think this would be a good time to take a quick break so we can hear from our other show sponsor, Barnana Snacks. But when we get back, we're going to talk more about The Chronic, kind of the long-term legacy of this particular album. So hang around. We'll be right back with Jeremy uh, and Jose. All right, so my wonderful sponsors at Barnana Chips were so kind uh, to send me a care package with some wonderful snacks and wonderful chips of various kinds, different snacks to try. And I've been saving one for a while that I've been been dying to try. And it's the organic plantain chips, spicy mango salsa, they're kettle cook style chips. So I'm gonna do a live uh, first try, a live taste uh and you can get my instant reactions to these chips i've been dying to try these chips here we go open up the bag and give a smell test ooh, ooh, i can smell the the sweetness the, the the spiciness okay here we go first chip oh yeah oh yeah i like that a lot is the flavor is a little subtle? The spice is kind of subtle, but you can taste the sweetness of the mango right away. But that spicy mango kind of the salsa um, kind of creeping up in the back. I can feel the spice in the back of my the back of my mouth right now. It's really good. Um, it's not overpowering the mango, the sweetness, but the salsa taste together not overpowering, but a nice kick, you know? Um, be good to have a glass of water with these, but I'm not feeling like, oh my God, I absolutely have to rush out and drink a glass of water right now. I like that, that subtle spice uh, and it combined with the sweetness. So let me give another chip. Good stuff, good stuff. So check these out. They're Barnana, spicy mango salsa. Their kettle style chip, it's fantastic. I would give it like an eleven out of ten. I don't know, is that fair? But check it out. Thanks, Barnana. Cutting back in. All right, so we're back from our from our break. I want to talk more about the chronic. I've got Jeremy, I got Jose here uh, from Bigger Than the Game podcast we're going to talk more about the chronic and one of the things i think that really stands out about this album we've talked about the great tracks we've talked about the skits but what really stands out to me is just how blatantly hard dre and snoop just go after easy on this particular record there are a few moments where they they pull no punches whatsoever uh, and just come at Eazy E with a blowtorch in terms of the the diss tracks. There, you know, specifically the opening track on the Chronic. Snoop Dogg has some not so kind words for Eazy. Tells him all the things he can do. Uh, most of them would probably be inappropriate for this podcast. <laughs> but if you're if you're on the internet right now, if you're on Spotify, for example, maybe pause this, go listen to this diss track. It's just absolutely incredible. So what I want to know is uh is this the most savage diss track in rap history if it's not that's okay but maybe what are some other diss tracks we might want to throw into the equation to kind of put up there uh let's start with you jose what do you think about the uh, the diss track specifically from snoop Dogg and dre to, to um to easy e
0: yeah it's it's up there for sure um i won't put it number one for me but it's definitely up there. Not, again, I remember listening to this. And I didn't even know it was a diss track at first. Like I was just naive. But then the older I got, I was like, Oh my God, like they're, they killed them on this record, man. But to me, it's up there. It's great. Like it's, you know, it's, it's, they, they went in on it for sure. And um, not only him, but everything that happened with NWA, you know what I mean? Yes. Like, and you know how they all, you know, fell apart and stuff like that. And, you know, Eazy was a big reason for that. But so yeah, I get it was a lot of animosity there. Um another for me, number one is Ether by Nas. Like that's to me Ooh. the best the best diss track of all time and you know, by like, one of the best artists ever, you know, and he's going up he's going against probably the best artist of all time yeah. in Jay Z, in my opinion. Um, so that's up there and then Hit 'em up by Tupac is, is another one that it's like one A, you know, like those two for me, I don't know it's it's hard. You know, Ice Cube had a great one too against Dr. Dre and all of them. Um, but yeah, those two for me are my top two like that. Those, but this one's up there for sure. It's top five in my book.
1: Okay, okay, top five. What about you, Jeremy? Yeah, I was. Um, I was
2: going to say I think that this is a, Dre can't top what Cube did. With No Vaseline, as a, that's an all-time <laughs> great one for me. That's an all-time great one. Yeah. You know, uh, Ether is great. You know, when I was on with you last time, John, we talked about Unplugged. I don't like Takeover by Jay-Z, the regular song, but the Unplugged version of Takeover when he's coming back at Nas, I love that song. Nice. Um, what I think, maybe it's not, I wouldn't call it the best. I think it's one of the best, but not the best. But my favorite diss track, I feel like gets lost nowadays is cannabis second round KO where he just destroys LL and it just has the Mike Tyson in the beginning. This yeah. <laughs> and just going at it. And I think that's a song. It's a great diss track, but it, Jose talked about, you know, a good running song early. Like that gets me hyped to work out hype for a big event, whatever. Cannabis second round KO. It's just like, he just murdered it and murdered one of the, one of the goats in
1: LL, honestly with that one. So. Sure, sure. Yeah, I I can't I, I can't argue with either of those. Those are those are all solid picks. I I think uh I was happy to kind of see, and I know it was a few years ago, but I I really enjoyed the uh, pusha t Drake kind of going back and forth. I'm not saying it's up number one by any means, but I just appreciate a good diss track and response. So it's kind of nice to see the the younger generation imitating or trying to uh to keep this 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 thing going. So they were trying. Yeah, they were, they were trying. They were, I
2: don't know if they were succeeding, but they were trying. They were trying, and, and
0: it, it should be fun. Like that's the fun part of like hip hop, and how like when it originated. Like that's all these guys used to do to each other, yes. is just kind of come at each other and you know diss each other and stuff like that. And but in this era, what started to happen is like people were having diss tracks, and they just went to a different level, and it just went to like a violent level. And I know we're going to get into that in a little bit, but sure. you know this this diss track you know, with Dre day, like it was, it was that kind of started a lot of that. So.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right. So I think this next question is, is so appropriate for the two of you because your podcast bigger than the game, you all look at various sporting events and athletes moments, you know, during sports history, and you're able to look at it kind of from, um, you know, a big picture perspective. You're able to see how, how these different moments in sports history you know, the context behind them, how they shaped how we think about sports, things like that. So I'm curious, comparing Dr. Dre, we've got the chronic comes out 92 rolls into 93. We're still talking about it 30 years later, still talking about Dr. Dre. Uh, Jeremy, I think you said he you have him up there as your number one producer, not only of rap Mm -hmm. music, but in music. So you have high praise. Um, to each of you what current or former pro athlete would you compare Dr. Dre to so who is uh, who is the the athlete version of Dr. Dre in terms of thinking about his career I'll go with you Jeremy to, to start this off
2: yeah I think it's a, it's a great question it's interesting because um, Dre's not the greatest rapper of all time I think he's the greatest producer but yeah, his he legacy he's he's a pillar of hip-hop um, and so thinking about this question for me, what I think Dre does great. One of the he does many things great. I, I and what his legacy kind of has been as far as music wise. Uh, I have to look at Magic Johnson to me oh. as my guy. Oh, You had that too. I had that too. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I I just look at because if you look at what Dre has done, is he makes people better.
1: Yes. And
2: so the word producer, even in podcasts, you know, it kind of can vary and definitely in music. It's what is it? Dre is that producer in he's all around. He's he's picking the talent. He's like, I see you. I see your ability. He's helping them with delivering it lyrically. He's helping them with their sound, with their style. He's helping them with the beats and the music and the audio engineering. And he's just putting everyone in the right places and setting them up and he's that ultimate playmaker like magic was and magic to me isn't the greatest basketball player of all time but he's the greatest point guard of all time and i look yeah. at like that with dr dre he's not yeah. the greatest he'll you know, hip hop like rapper of all time he's the greatest producer but sure. he still like changed the game and we look at like in the nba magic and bird helped elevate the nba dre helped elevate gangster rap and rap overall so Sorry, Jose, but Magic Johnson. We didn't talk about this. <laughs> Magic Johnson is my answer.
1: That's a perfect answer, too. The L.A. connections. I mean, just I mean, just dropping dimes, getting guys going like Snoop, like Eminem. I mean, Fifty Cent eventually. 50 Cent. I mean, oh my gosh, just that's a good comparison. So, uh, Jose, are you are you still are you going with the Magic as well?
0: Yeah, that was my first answer, but I'm going to switch it up. I mean, obviously, so I even look at. I don't even, I wouldn't even go with a player, right? Like, I'll go with maybe like a coach, right? And kind of like a lot of stuff that Jeremy talked about is, you know, how Dre, what he's done to so many careers, right? He did it for Snoop Dogg. He did it for, again, like, there's just like you were mentioning Eminem, he sent like NWA, like a lot of those guys, when once he left, it was over with, was for them, you know, like. Even with Death Row, like some like what he did for Tupac, what he did for a lot of those artists, corrupt, like all those artists there. He, you know, he was taking care of them and, and putting beats on for them and jumping on their songs. And if you have Dr. Dre on your song or you have him producing your song, like that's a certain like validity that a lot of people would can't give you, you know. So for me, it's like a coach that I'm thinking like, who's a guy that like can get all this talent together, but always have them buy in day in and day out and not only buy in, but when they do buy in, it's like they become very successful, and I was just thinking, like Phil Jackson, somebody like that, where it's like mm-hmm. it's it's really easy to have some like a lot of talent. Me and Jeremy talk about this all the time. Jeremy's a huge Phil Jackson fan, and you know? um, I think to be a great coach, yeah, like it's you have to you have to be great Nexus and those, right? But when you have a lot of talent, to have that talent produce, that's very difficult. Like you know what he did in Chicago and in LA, obviously. So. You know, I think for me, it's it's Phil Jackson, like getting all these players, let's just say, to use this example. Right. And and not only making them better, but making them like all time better. Like if they would have never if they would have went to a different team or a different producer, I don't know if their careers flourished the way they did. Um, so for me, Phil Jackson would be Ooh. my example.
1: OK, I like that. I like that. I was when I was initially conceptualizing this question I think I had some of the same ideas in mind as D'Army in terms of just that ability to make other guys better and that's what kind of led me to initially kind of the LeBron James is the comparison I'm not sure if that's 100% one to one but also I th- I like the aspect of Dr. Dre not only seeing himself as a musician but as a mogul, as an icon, who's someone who's building a brand that's—I mean—it's standing the test of times. I mean, it wasn't that long ago the doctor or the Doctor Dre became the first billionaire in rap by selling Beats, you know, the headphones right. to Apple. It kind of makes me think of LeBron James in the sense that this guy, yeah, he's doing all this amazing stuff on the court, but he's also got all of these kind of ventures and things going off the court. He's he's in movies. He's buying up sports teams. So I think. LeBron is trying to be sort of iconic in the sense that Dre, like like Dre in the sense that it's not just his career might be over. Dre's rapping might be over, but he's still going to continue just putting out, maybe it's other artists. Maybe it's just, maybe it's the way we consume music through our ears, whatever it is, but he's going to be involved. And I kind of think that's what LeBron, maybe LeBron owns a team, you know, at some point. Right. Uh, But so that would almost be kind of like his, you know, selling uh, uh, beats or whatever the comparison might be. But I think Phil Jackson's a good one. I think uh Magic is a really good one as well. So um I want to switch gears and let's put our future hats on. Let's pretend, you know, it is uh it is 30 years in the future. I'm just curious, how do how do each of you think The Chronic will be remembered 30 years from now when we get to that 60 year anniversary? Will we, people still be listening to this album? Will it still get the same kind of respect? What do you how do you think it'll be uh remembered even 30 years from now go ahead jose yeah i
0: think the longer in time that this album lives like the better it's it's getting in my opinion wow. like so i mean if you look at and the way has like music specifically like hip-hop has changed and it's just you're not going to get an album produced like this. just just like think about it like you have arguably the best producer of all time and for like obviously like you can say any you know, any genre of music, but I'm just going to stick to the hip hop and I would put Dre up there with anyone, you know, and but not only him being such a great producer, but him like having that hunger and like your debut album, you put all that effort into it to make sure it's a great album. and He did that and it was a great album. So I just think something like this good you mentioned a few times, John, like how it's like, you know, last the test of time like this album, I don't care how, how many years from now, I just think it's going to get better and better and better. Especially due to like what music the type of music we're getting now. It's totally, totally different. And and this being like one of the first albums that we, we mentioned it earlier as well. Like that, that West Coast sound, right? Like this is one of the first ones. So I think when it's one of the first of something, it sure. just it, it can last forever. And I think this is what's gonna happen with this album.
1: Sure. Yeah. I think it's one of those albums too that if you can say if if it what any kind of pop culture, if you can narrow it down to one or two words, you just say the Chronic, and people know what you're talking about. They know the seriousness of this album in terms of the cultural relevancy. Like I think it's things like that that are gonna stand the test of time. You don't even have to say it's by Dr. Dre. You just say the Chronic. People yeah. know what you're talking if they're if they're in the know in terms of music, they know what you're talking about, and hopefully we'll have you know that same kind of reverence and respect for just how well this one is aged, but um, yeah, go, go ahead, Jeremy. What do you think?
2: I think honestly, I mean, Jose made great points. And I think because of what, like what Jose said and what we've been talking about, you can't ignore this album because you look at what it did for the legacy of hip hop. And then we're, you know, the LA riots, Ronnie King will always be talked about, you know, that leads into OJ, which we know will always be talked about. Yeah. So to me, I think if you wanted to cancel it, you really can't because it chronicles a point in time that people are still talking about. And I think, sadly, we'll always talk about because those issues will always be there. I think, though, in 30 years, it can be very mixed and it can kind of be like some people kind of frown on it even more because of Dre's legacy with women and domestic violence. You know, the, the D Barnes incident, which happened in 91 and how violent he was with that. And that's continued to go on the accusations and things like that. And I feel like, honestly, I'm a little impressed that it hasn't been kind of like people talk about canceling this album or him more. I'm kind of like surprised he's been able to finagle that. And I just think as time goes on, it will be harder and harder for not to talk about that part of him. And I think that can make it kind of like little murky and a little gray I think because of the impact and the time, it's hard to judge, which is a credit to Dre and Snoop and everyone. It's hard to just erase it, but sure. I think it'll be a lot grayer, not because of the music, but because of Dre's actions.
1: Yeah. How we perceive not only the yeah. art, but the artist who created that art. So yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Different generations might listen to this album and completely see or hear it or see it from, you know, a different Yeah.
2: And we can't knock that. I mean, we've learned we've all grown you know we all product of the 90s but a lot of misogynistic stuff in there in the album in gangster rap in general so like yeah we've all grown you know hopefully like you know i speak for us three we've grown and know like (laughs) that's not good and like you know you don't want to teach young men young women that that's okay but uh future generations may hear that and just automatically forget about the great beats and uh, you know the great lyrics outside of that and just be like no Sure, sure.
1: All right. Another tough question. Um, there's a lot of winners from the chronic. I mean, we, you know, I think anybody involved in this, anybody listening to the chronic, you're a winner just for having it in your ear. But if you had to pick the biggest winner from the chronic, uh, who would you go with? Let's start with you, Jeremy. Uh,
2: The biggest winner from the chronic, it's really hard, but I got to give it to a whole. And I'm going to say this because of what happened at the Super Bowl in 2022. Oh, so yeah. So I gotta give it to a whole, a whole region, a whole coast. The West Coast is the biggest Ooh. winner of the chronic because we see what Dre laid the foundation for to Snoop with Pac with so many different artists. And then we can go on to see what Kendrick Lamar is doing, and Kendrick yeah. pays that homage too. So I think what West Coast rap, and now that's like such a like Jose said in the beginning, you know, it was always New York based for so long. And now that opened it up for the West Coast, but really opened it up for everywhere. You know, Drake, back in the mid-90s, being from Toronto, he's disqualified already because you're from Toronto. (laughs) We don't want to hear you, you know. So, like, that opened it up everywhere. But I I give it to West Coast because that was impactful when you see a Super Bowl performance and to see, like, on the biggest stage of the world, West Coast hip-hop, getting that love, getting that kind of impact. So I, I think that region, like who would have thought 30 years ago when this album came out that he'd be on the Super Bowl halftime show yes, performing these songs. So the whole region gets to me to be the it's the ultimate winner. Ooh, I love it.
1: Okay. What about you, Jose?
0: Yeah, that's a great point there. I mean, I, I agree with that. I think for me, the obvious choice is Snoop Dogg. Like what happened with him, and you you were mentioning earlier, John, like, you know, he's he was in WrestleMania a couple of weeks ago. He's on, you know, he's – doing ads for corona you know you see them everywhere now like he's everywhere 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 and i don't think any of that happens without this album you know and what and he he was he did an amazing job on this album you know the first time i heard snoop andre was the same year but on the um soundtrack the deep cover like that 187 that mm-hmm. was the first song that i heard them two together and then when this album dropped i was like oh my god like who is this guy you know and again, like that smoothness and the way he flows and the way Dre put the beats for him and, you know, how many lines on this album are, again, like this album's 30 years old and we still, like if I can say some of them and you'll finish it for me, like, you know, and there's yeah. a lot of Snoop Dogg lines, like in lyrics and, you know, he just has some all-timers on this album that I think carry them and I don't, In his first album, Doggy Style, was probably my, one of my favorites. I think I would take Doggy Style over the Chronic. I and, would. Um, Oh wow. And um and and I'm not saying all his albums were that good because they're when they were not Snoop albums, you know, but that first one, and oh. you can say like this is another one of his albums, the chronic is like Jeremy mentioned it. There should be both of them on there, you know, on the on the cover and stuff. But just him and what's happened with him, like with this album and then his debut album as well and it just blew him up to a point where he's not going away. Like, he's not going yeah. away. He's at USC games. Like, he's everywhere. And yeah. I just think he what, – what it did for him is you you can't even measure it, but rightfully so because he's an amazing talent. So, sure.
2: for me, and it's and, so. and I'll say this real quick. I was someone who for a long time – because I remember when Doggy Style dropped. Um, And for a long time, I was like, what is Snoop doing with the music here? Like, it's right, like, like, man – but as I got older and started giving respect, you can't keep up. i Not saying he didn't make some choices that were bad, like no limits, so that was uh but like you can't keep up with that. That's why I say that they that debut to a career is one of the best ever in music. Like with the chronic and then doggy style, there's nowhere to go really butt down after yeah. that yeah. as far as albums. Like you you can't top those. So I mean, um we have to give credit to that because like two albums that changed music that defined the nineties, both are better than nevermind by Nirvana, but that's a different point. <laughs> but I'll just say that. Um <laughs> uh, So for all the right people by. who gave me heat for that, you know, yeah, exactly. You know, a little diss track, they gave me heat for my Nirvana <laughs> episode with you. So uh both of these are better than nevermind, but it's just, yeah, Snoop just, has such a great that's a great choice jose because uh he just dominates this and just one two three into the four who would have guessed that line would change everything yes
0: right give a doggy dog oh is you crazy like that's yeah like (laughs) in your mama and your daddy like who does not know that like
1: right yeah everyone does I I wanted to go with Snoop too, but just to be be slightly contrarian, I'll pick somebody else. I think I'm just going to go with Dr. Dre on this one because, I mean, think about the expectations. Dr. Dre was already just massively famous. You're leaving N.W.A. This amazing group that completely changes music breaks up. Uh, You know, you're leaving some of the most talented musicians possible. You're starting up this whole new thing the expectations are just incredibly high and yet he was able to meet the mark. And I think, and then some, Um, it, to me, it's almost like, again, the comparison to LeBron James, LeBron James was, was called the chosen one, the King before Mm -hmm. he even came into the league and somehow managed to not only meet those expectations, but probably exceeded them. And I think the same thing is happening with Dre. I mean, uh, you know, just the fact that we're still talking about this one album 30 years later, and that's not even getting into the rest of his music. I mean, before and after is is pretty incredible. So um, just to be contrarian, I think it probably is Snoop Dogg, but I'm going to go with Dr. Dre uh, for for this episode. So but you can't really go wrong, I think. I think we're all winners just because this album exists and we've had the pleasure yeah. of listening to it for 30 years. So no,
2: I and to your point, John, like you said there's no wrong answer. I think after this album, like when Eminem came out and you're like, who's this white dude who, but he had Dr. Dre behind him. So you're yeah. like, we, people are like, we got to take it serious. With yeah. 50, it's like Dre's with them. Got to take it serious. So I feel like after this album, whatever Dre did, even if you're like, I don't know about this artist, you took it serious because of the chronic. Sure.
1: Sure. Yeah. Do, he could just do anything he wanted to basically. Any right. of those artists, if they're not, if, if dre isn't behind them i don't you know maybe eminem maybe 50 cent find a way to stand out but i don't think they they quite make the same impact without having dre and interscope behind them um that's that's just huge as far as their careers go all right so i just have to ask i think i know the answer to this but i'm just gonna ask because i think both albums are phenomenal um Again, I think I know the answer, but if you can only pick one to listen to for the rest of your life, are you going with the original Chronic or are you going with Chronic 2001, the follow up many years later, almost a decade later, but still an absolute just phenomenal album from start to finish is the 2001 so uh, Jeremy, let's start with you. You can only pick one chronic or uh, 2001. What are you going with?
2: This is just my personal taste, right? Like my personal thing. Yeah. Oh, 2001. No doubt about it. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Oh. 2001. Just okay. uh, because I feel like the chronic, if I'm given like an objective answer, is because it started so much. Sure. That's the greater album but just for songs that I like, you know, I, I got to, like I said, I remember when doggy style came out. I don't quite remember. I remember the effects of the chronic. I remember the singles, but I don't remember it dropping. I'm not going to lie. Sure. But with 2001 coming out, they both have those bangers, those radio bangers that are great. But then I feel like a lot the the B side kind of tracks for uh the chronic don't hit me the way 2001 do. So there's so many songs on 2001 that people don't talk about that I love where with, uh, the chronic like little ghetto boy, like I said, that's my favorite track. That's one of the few, like not popular songs that I'm like, for me was like had a choice to be like a nomination for best songs where on, uh, chronic 2001, there's a lot of songs that don't get that attention that I'm like, I love that one, that one, that one. And he, you know, it's eight, or like seven years later. So then the production, you know, he's, more developed as a producer snoop is more developed uh he gets other people involved exhibits on there like west coast rap is more developed so it's just like it's a better sounding album overall to me so my personal list i'm taking 2001
1: oh wow okay i wasn't expecting that what about you jose
2: yeah i love
0: 2001 i'm not (laughs) i I can't take that over to chronic though I, i i can't um because also like the anticipation of two thousand and what? Well, his next album, just yeah. in general, like I think I I was anticipating it so much that it I, it was going to let me down because I was just you know my my mindset was like it's going to be the chronic and it's it's going to be an amazing album. Now two thousand one is a great album. I'm not yeah. not knocking it. And then we mentioned like you know like that hunger that he had and stuff like that creating the chronic. It was probably it was still there too for two thousand and one sure. because he was starting on his own label at this point now. Like so. Anybody that would want to come on, he was going to produce, and and now it's like on him now. So, two thousand one is great. I think what Jeremy mentioned, and I agree with this. Like I think two thousand one, like overall as a whole, has like better music. You know, like mm. I just but I think like the chronic is so top heavy for me that it, it just. I can go I can I could just listen to six songs on The Chronic and be okay. Like 2001, sure. I can listen to the entire album for the most part and and be okay there too. So for so the top heaviness of The Chronic, I just I can't I can't select any other album.
1: Ooh, okay. I think I'm in agreement with Jose. I think I'd go with the original Chronic, but of course. I'm not going to lie yeah. though. I recently saw Creed 3 and uh, The Watcher. Great movie was the opening track and it just it took me back to 2001 and it's a great I, song yeah I mean that one is because at the time when I mean I was much more aware and conscious of music when 2001 dropped than I was when the chronic dropped I was all in on Eminem so when forgot about Dre came out I mean I, I it was just like oh my god not only I like Eminem I like Dr. Dre you're putting them together in this amazing song you know, I just, I, I think that one hit me at a time, personally, I, you know, if I, if I was back in 2001, I would pick 2001, but right now, with kind of the hindsight of time, um, just kind of knowing the longevity of the chronic. Uh, I'll I, say
2: I this, know, though. Original. I'll Go say ahead. this. Yeah. Nothing But A G Thing is probably, that's going to be Dre's greatest song he produced for, like, sure. legacy stuff. But, I mean, as far as everything, like, what else rivals that? The next episode, when that drops how many people Ooh. know what that is get hype get ready Ooh. in any scenario like that that kind of rivals where it's like you don't great need a no... great video. video you hear that mess. like everyone just gets ready like it's just <laughs> that 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 can rival nothing but a G7 thing i'm not saying it's better than but that one rivals where i was like whoa
1: yeah yeah i i agree with that one i mean just yeah just putting some great artists on the map you got exhibit you got nate dog showing up i mean we've just got so many good artists on on 2001 and lots of good snoop i mean you can't go wrong with either album though so maybe maybe when the 30-year anniversary of 2001 rolls around we'll have to we'll have to jump back on the yeah. mic together and, and break that one down i'd love to <laughs> we're
0: getting close we're getting yeah, close too. <laughs>
1: yeah seriously seriously i think what are we at yeah, 2001 we're at 22 years now so not too much longer to go all right so uh we are going to wrap things up for this episode but i do have a couple of lighter questions for both of you before we do go um things i always ask anyone anybody who comes on the show i've got to know um i want to know to start off with what are you both watching what are you reading what are you listening to these days what's got you excited content wise let's go ahead and start with jose what are you excited about content wise these days
0: yeah, right now, I, I put like an emphasis on I, I want to start watching some shows, right? Like I, I don't watch a lot of sh- like TV shows and things like that. I'm just too wrapped up in like a, whatever game is on, I'm just going to watch that. So I've kind of mm-hmm. made a conscious effort to kind of step away a little bit from like watching, constantly watching games. So I wanted to dive in a couple of shows. I'm a big Mandalorian fan. I've been watching that, staying on that's top nice. of that. Um, That's been, I think it's been pretty good. Uh, The Last of Us got me hooked um i'm in i'm like episode i'm in episode five yeah but i'll probably have that wrapped up if not by this weekend you know by next week for sure so those are like right now my top two um listening to right now i'm not reading anything unfortunately i do have a couple books that i want to dive into though but listening i and we're i know we're doing a hip-hop like album but i'm not listening to too much hip-hop right now um I'm a big R&B fan as well, um. So I've been listening to a lot of like, like her, like Shiza, like a lot of that stuff, just to kind of like, I I need to get mellowed out a little bit. Right sure, so that's kind of like the vibe I'm in right now, and a little bit of LMA, like uh, all that stuff. Like I'm I'm a big fan of that. Daniel Caesar just dropped a great album. If you haven't listened to that, it's really really good. Um, so I've been listening to that, like just stuff like that, and just kind of just to chill out a little bit you know so that's that's kind of where i'm at
1: i dig it no that's that's great show choices and you can't go wrong with r&b uh definitely can't go wrong with that so i dig those uh what about you Jeremy?
2: yeah for me i've kind of been tv wise been jumping back into like the the docuseries uh i really i liked the netflix hit waco american yes. apocalypse yeah okay That was really uh that was I thought that was really good. I like how they did it. It's a story that you know, that hit thirty years. I think I think next week is thirty years of that. Um and the way they kinda you don't they put the backstory of David Koresh like they sprinkle it throughout, but you kind of jump right to the ATF standoff and you go from there. So you're not like getting like episode one, David Koresh was born this day. You kinda go right into like the battle and how like they had some shots that you hadn't really seen before. Um, the same like producer, like production crew who did that, they dropped uh, American Manhunt about the Boston marathon bombing. Yes. That, mm-hmm. Right. Right. Jose's with me. That yeah, dropped uh, wins this Wednesday. Well, the I'll go about the 12th, April 12th. Sure. So that was really good. Uh, really interesting um, to see. Cause I liked the movie Patriot's day, even with Mark Wahlberg. That was a good movie. But to get this, it's like a three-episode docu-series on the Boston Marathon bombing and what happened that day. And you're talking to a lot of, like, the law enforcement key players. And it was kind of interesting to hear them disagree. Like, they're not together. They're talking head, but they're disagreeing, even, like, you know, 10 years later about how they approached it. But even now, looking back on how unprecedented some of that stuff was when shutting down Boston for a day – and this and that and like there's just the overall manhunt and just how bizarre from that monday of the bombing to that like friday night that one week what that city and the country went through is crazy so i recommend that and then you know i love to to read so oh. i got um got it right here the blood and guts how tight in say football by tyler dunn oh uh nice. That, that was a book. Bu- I heard him on other podcasts. I like talking about it. And it was always like, I should get it. I should get it. And finally, I, I like remembered, like, let me go get it. And that's been interesting, you know, to hear about the evolution of a the tight end position and a position that's a little more glamorized now, but still like people don't talk about just like how weird of a position it is because it's like you you're catching the rock, but it's so physical, the toll it takes on you um it's cool he does a good job of of breaking that down by talking to all other great tight ends so uh that's
1: what i'm reading right now nice okay good choices good choices i love to hear that uh all right so i want to give you guys a chance to plug your show you've got the bigger than the game podcast where can listeners of knowledge bruce supreme where can they find your podcast uh talk about maybe your latest episode and do you have anything on the on the horizon you're excited about? ahead, right, right, Jose. Do oh, you want me to go? All yeah. right. Yeah.
0: So, um, yeah, you can listen to our show anywhere you listen to podcasts, right? You can, you know, we're on. You can listen to us on Apple, Spotify, you know, um, Pandora, iHeart. Like all of, you can listen to us everywhere. You can also um at Bigger Day The Game with Jeremy Jose, and you can also watch us on YouTube. Uh, we're on YouTube at Bigger Day The Game with Jeremy Jose. Um, you can also reach out to us on Instagram, on Twitter at Bigger Game Pod. Um, you, can, you know, we're always looking for you know, listeners to let us know what they want to hear, what they wanna see um in terms of like any games, any rewatches, like we mentioned earlier, you, you did a redraft with us. We're always down to do things like that. So yeah, I mean anytime you wanna come on or anytime, you know, you have a an episode that you you know you're thinking about, we'd be more than happy to to definitely like take a look at it and see where we can go with it. But yeah, you can listen to us anywhere you listen to your podcast. And Jeremy, I don't know if you want to jump in like on what we got coming up in the future or the last yeah. episode.
2: Yeah, we uh, upcoming in the future, we're going to be looking at with uh, a special guest, uh, Pete Corrado. He's been on on our show before. He's a writer, you know, uh, wrote some great Mm -hmm. NBA books. And he's going to be he did an article for uh, Philadelphia magazine because we're coming up on 40 years since the 83 Sixers. And Dr. J and Moses Malone and that fo 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 that infamous, you know, Uh line. And so he did an article. So and that's. My favorite team, definitely NBA team of all time, the 83 Sixers. So, uh, we're pumped for that one. And just it's NBA playoff time. So, we're going to be kind of diving into some classic playoff games, pl- classic uh, players and coaches as well. So, have a lot of stuff coming up. You know, and we're excited about it.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Every episode you guys put out, I, it's one of my favorite times whenever I see in my feed, whenever Spotify pops up, hey, there's a new episode of Bigger Than The Game. I mean, I always get excited because you guys tackle you guys tackle topics that you know I think I know a lot about and then I listen to your podcast and it just you know it's just enlightening the things I'm able to take away or you talk about topics that I think oh I'm maybe not that interested in but then I listen to you guys talk about it and I'm like this is this is fantastic so um just the way you guys are able to take some of these events coaches players teams etc and kind of give it the historical narratives i think is just uh really it's an it's a unique way of thinking about sports so um i'll be sure to put uh plugs uh, links in the show notes for people to find those uh can check out your wonderful podcast so no thank you thank of you of course of course uh thank you again to deremy and jose from bigger than the game with deremy and jose for joining me today on knowledge brew supreme there'll be links in the show notes this makes episode 71 of Knowledge Brew Supreme. I am your host, Dr. John Chancy. My goal is to reach 100 episodes. That means I'm only 29 episodes away from that goal. Thank you for listening. Please share, subscribe, and review. Be good, be safe, and peace out.